My name is Cassie and I'm the founder of Fatco, where we use these guys to make this stuff. Let me explain. At Fatco, we specialize in making natural and organic skin and body care products, many of which contain tallow. It's nutrient dense and healing. It's extremely high in vitamins A, D, K, and E, all super important for skin health. It's natural, it's healthy, and it's sustainable. People are saying, oh yeah, when your finals MVP, you are not the best player on the planet. To me, that makes no sense whatsoever. I don't care if it's a week, two, four, six, seven, eight. Who do we appreciate? LeBron James. That's who y'all gotta start, start appreciating. And you gotta stop disrespecting this man. Every single time I say LeBron James is the go, I just feel better and better and better about my life. If you guys are going through something, just say that one phrase. All your problems, I promise you, will go away. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday. Welcome to the Pride to Take podcast. Of course, it is your boy Pride riding solo dolo. Got a got a good show in, in, in store for y'all. We're going to have a little bit of a uh, wrestling talk. Uh, old buddy Jeff Hardy, that's exactly where we're going to start off, gets arrested yet again for another DUI. Um, cops said he had a blood alcohol content of 0.294 said when he got out of his car, he was groggy. He looked, uh, so th the word they use, which was weird. Uh, he looked, st uh, uh, stupor. I don't know why they would have used that word, but, um, I believe this is the third time since 2018 that, uh, Jeff Hardy has had a DUI. When he originally left the WWE, the WWE was trying to put him in a rehab program uh, so that way he would be able to fix himself because he has admitted on multiple occasions that um, he's got a problem. He's admitted it, yet for some unknown reason, he just don't want the help. Uh, the main problem that started is that he's been driving with a uh, suspended license. Uh, obviously, because of all his prior DUIs, they kind of started clipping down on him some. And for some reason, uh, he got, you know, obviously he got back behind the wheel. Uh, and for some reason, Jeff Hardy yet again, an older Jeff Hardy, might I add, is yet again jeopardizing his career. Uh, he was supposed to be um, this week. It was supposed to be in a tag match with Matt. God knows how that's gonna uh, that's gonna turn out. Um, which, oof. Um, but for the forty four year old Jeffrey Nero Hardy, um, at this point, AEW truly only has two. They only they only have two options. Either A, they do what WWE tried to do and put him put, put him in a corner where he has to accept it and go get the help. That's one. Two, just outright say, yep, we're not playing this game. Screw this. We're not doing this. And you're on your own. Those are really the only two, um, the only two things you can really do. For me, 
Um, and this is coming from a guy who loves Jeff Hardy. Um, I have nothing but respect for him. Um, I do think he's an all-time great. Um, for a guy his size to be a high flyer is incredibly amazing. Um, you know, it, it's – I like him. I really do. I really do. At some point, though, if the man wants to keep making these decisions – at some point, not only are we going to have to let him make these decisions, but he's going to have to make these decisions by himself. We're talking about a situation where with drunk driving, you could easily kill somebody else. Easily. Like, like, like drunk driving is, is, is wild, man. Like it, it's something that's legit. Um, what really blows my mind is the fact that not only does Jeff Hardy understand that he has a problem, he's admitted it on more than one occasion. But the problem is his hardcore fan base has been giving him multiple excuses. So I do believe this is going to become, you know, uh, this is going to factor in AEW's decision. Again, if I'm AEW, I think there's only two clear-cut choices. You should. This is. Just, this should not be a a situation where you just go, okay, cool, whatever. <clears throat> we you, you can't do that, especially considering that he's on record saying he has a problem. So you either make him go to rehab or you let him go. You you have to. And here's the thing: a 44 year old Jeff Hardy. There's really not that many places that'll take him back. There's really not. I mean, Jeff is not going to go to New Japan. He's not. Because while AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling are kind of doing the little cross-promotion thing, um, notice how the only person, most of the people who are going to Japan are the people who's been there before. That's really, like, that's really the problem. Uh, you guys, a great comment. It says, look at Henry Ruggs and his drunk driving accident. That ruined his career. This will ruin Jeff's. The only saving grace that Jeff has is that he didn't kill anyone. To our knowledge, of, as of now. To our knowledge. To our knowledge, he didn't get into an accident. He was just driving erratic and got pulled over. So to our knowledge, he didn't hurt anybody. <clears throat> but that's where Jeff could be. And again, it, it just blows my mind how he is on record saying, look, man, I have a problem. But... When offered rehab, he he just rejects it. You know, it's it's weird. It's and and I I I the only thing I can think of is, and this is something that's legit for people who have an addiction. When you start the rehab process, that's when it really hits you. Like you can say it and go, yeah, you know, I have a problem, you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But when you actually go to rehab, that's when it punches you. Not everyone can handle it. One guy who couldn't handle it was John Jones. He admitted he had a problem. He went to rehab and checked himself out within 24 hours. So I, I think that's what it is. I think it's a situation where he's scared to just look look in the mirror and be legit and say, yep, this is a problem. Uh, he says because rehab can fuck you up mentally, but uh, uh, but still it can help you. It can, but you also got to think about it. The reason why it messes you up mentally, you got you to remember, the reason why it does that is because mentally you're justifying a negative action. So let's, let's, let's go with the Jeff Hardy thing. <clears throat> he, 
he thinks it's sweet to be knocking down drinks, get drunk, and get behind the wheel. That's a bad mistake. That's a bad choice. It's a bad judgment. So yeah, in his in his perception, it's gonna be like, yeah, it's messing me up mentally. Because what now what we're what, what the rehab is trying to do is in essence reprogram you to be like, all right, look, I can't, there's this thing I need to stop doing. No matter what, there's this thing I have to stop doing. Period. No matter what. It doesn't matter what it is, what what, what kind of drug it is, <clears throat> hardcore, lightweight, doesn't matter. It, from weed to meth, crack, alcohol, doesn't matter. But if you're justifying using it to the point that it's impacting your life and you then you go to rehab, yeah, you're going to feel like it's messing you up mentally. You know? But again, it's let's say rehab does, you know, F you up mentally, even if you're, you know, a sober person. Sometimes that's, sometimes you need to do that. Sacrifices must be made sometimes. If you're constantly making the same bad decision over and 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 over. Okay, this is third time since 2018. Y'all don't want to go back to what this man did before. He almost tanked a pay-per-view. This man almost tanked a pay-per-view when he showed up, pilled up out of his mind. In the main event of a TNA pay-per-view, back when they called themselves TNA, he showed up so pilled up and he was supposed to go up against Sting. And they saw how bad this guy was that Eric Bischoff, who was a heel at the time, had to come out, right, and shake Sting's hand and kind of bring him up to say that he's wishing him luck when in all reality he was trying to tell him, just force pin him and let's get out of here with minimum damage, minimal damage. It starts and Jeff Hardy starts pretending to throw his shirt for far too long. Gets it a tie-up. He looks so groggy that effortlessly Sting just throws him back to the corner. And he just looks so disappointed. And the match literally only had about not even a full minute's worth of wrestling. And Sting just basically put him in a scorpion death drop and force pinned him to the point that Jeff Hardy tried to kick out. And the ref knew. And they were going to continue to count regardless to end it. it the, that pay-per-view ends with Sting walking up the ramp and the fans chanting bullshit. And Sting turns and says, I agree. The camera is on his face, and he says, I agree. And this gets picked up by the people in the front row and the mics. This is not the first time Jeff's... And again, I love Jeff. I do. But at some point, at some point, you, we, we got to put him in a corner, and you, we can't be justifying. And this is why I, I think AEW is going to handle this wrong, because a whole bunch of Jeff Hart, Hardy's hardcore fans, his entire career, they've been justifying this stuff. They've been justifying his actions. They've been justifying all his drug problems and whatnot. They've, that's all they've been doing. They've been justifying it. So now you're in a position with a brand new company who, in terms of PR, try, you know, doesn't really mess up that often. You know, they, they, they want to be is like, oh, yeah, we love everybody. Everybody come over here. They're, they're portraying themselves as a, we always have our arms wide open, you know? Like, we're, we're not cold. We'll never turn our back on you. Combine that with the fact that Jeff Hardy's hardcore fan base is going to be like, oh, no, you can't turn your back on him. Jeff is going to come back. He's going to come, and it's a vicious cycle. He's going to come back. He's going to get a baby face, uh, baby face pop, and everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, it's Jeff Hardy. What do you do? Then when he's 47, he's going to do the same thing again. Uh, before we move on. Some uh some questions. Yuki says thoughts on Terry McLaurin holding out. I'm not shocked at all. That honestly, I, I'm really not. Uh, I thought Terry McLaurin uh was gonna get paid this year. That was just 
me. Maybe maybe I'm crazy, but I thought he was going to get paid. Uh, you know, his contract was going to get taken care of, uh, taken care of over the offseason. It still has not. And <clears throat> according to a lot of you know, a lot of people kind of uh, you know talking or whatever. But turns out, turns out, and this is just you know, this is it. It turns out that in terms of the contract negotiations, they've only spoken twice. And each time, the commanders have not made any improvement to the contract that they offered Terry McLaurin. Um, last time I had checked, uh, it was a three-year, 80-something million dollar deal, which is solid, sure. But he doesn't want, you know, Terry McLaurin doesn't want a three-year deal. He doesn't want a three-year deal. Um, so, you know. Uh, but yeah, uh, another question. Jacoby Myers staying? Yep, he signed a one-year tender <clears throat> to remain with the New England Patriots. I'm not mad at it at all. Um, some people believe he deserves more. Um, and I'm 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 one of the people who at first I was sour on him. He came up, he came up a very, very respectable year. Um, you know, so hats off to him. Uh, he definitely has earned a spot in, in the wide receiver rotation. So and I, I truly do. I don't mind that. Um, this is just basically a situation where they give him a one year tender, so that way to see can you replicate what you did last year. If you can, now you can come to us and 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 now we're able. You know, we'll be willing to give you something. You know, um, long term. But um, that's all. That's all. This the the deal really is. Um, again, I I don't mind it at all. Um, it does put a little bit of pressure on uh, Jacoby Myers. Um, because again. If 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 he doesn't have at least a respectable year, you know it's 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 gonna be rough. But again, this is usually what happens a lot of times. You take that risk, and as soon as you take that risk, boom, you know, um, you either you either make that great, you know, that great leap, or you end up, uh, you know, sucking. Um, you can also have thoughts on NBA uh, players withdrawing. Um, I. Honestly, I'm not really mad because usually in every single year, there's always those few guys uh, that that withdraw and kind of just take themselves out and go, "Oh yeah, we're no, we're not uh we ain't with it, whatever the case may be." So, um, I, this doesn't really shock me. Um, for me, and this is just me. I'm in terms of anyone really kind of hopping out. I, I don't unless it's Jaden Ivey, Chet Holgram, uh, Paulo Banchero, uh, you know. One, one, one of the guys that's projected to go maybe top seven, then I would oof. Um, Yuki says, uh, oof, man, he says, he has to. He has to. I've never in my life seen that before, though, where the only plus side you have is your age. Outside of that, you bring nothing else to the table. It's insane. It really is insane. But, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Teach their own. Um, moving on to the next topic. Uh, the NF this NFL season has lined up to be a banger. Um, where people believe multiple divisions are gonna finish over 500. Um, you know, I I think the AFC West is gonna line up like that. Outside of that, I don't, I don't know why other people believe that, but um, there are a few guys that I kind I was looking and I'm, I've been thinking, I've been trying to, you know, you know, kind of look and see are they really in a good situation? And I came up with a couple. Now, obviously, if you guys disagree with me, please feel free to yell at me. But the first player I think needs to 
not only demand, but put themselves in a situation where you have to force him to go get a trade, Saquon Barkley. I think Saquon is in a situation where, um, in terms of their offensive line, it's a middle-of-the-road type of offensive line in terms of their rating. Um, coming off the injury, he, he's going to need to go. And and it, it's a shame. It really is a shame that I'm saying this. But he's going to have to do an entire rehab, if that makes sense. And what I mean by rehab is he needs to go to a system. And this is me, but this is to a system. He needs to go to a system who doesn't run the ball far too often, likes throwing the ball a lot, and it could be a place where you could fit. Kind of like a situation. To an extent, not this team in particular, but how they run it, the Chargers, right? Where they got Austin Eckler, who, yeah, they'll run it with him, but they'll also, they'll also line him up. Um, Obviously, the best place he could, should go to would be the Chiefs, a, a situation where, you know, they could use him kind of as, as both – um, another guy would put in this situation also Christian McCaffrey. Um, and again, this is not because of their talent. This is just because they've been gotten so many injuries. I think they need to take two years to kind of, you know, take the load off a bit because now it's getting it's for both of these guys, it's getting ridiculous. It really is because within four games, they're nicked up. Game five, they're hurt, and then game six are ruled out for the rest of the year. And it, it's 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 nuts how that's happening so quick. It's insane, and especially for two men who are very very high caliber, um, high caliber guys. You know, I I think these are two guys who are very high caliber uh, talents. Um, another team that um, this is just me, uh, but another team I would have them consider. But again, the, all this is just for like a whole little you know. Um, a whole little, you know, rehab, and I, I feel like that's that's like the worst, um, the worst word to say. But um, another place I would have him highly consider um, would be, and this might sound a little crazy, but you know, obviously, bear with me. Um, I would say the San Bay Buccaneers, another offense that loves to throw the ball with Tom Brady. Right, um, a situation where yeah they'll run the ball, but at the same time what they what they also like to do is also you know kind of see what we got here you know whatever whatever um, they'll run the ball when necessary, and they kind of puts them in a situation where there's not too much of a load on him. Um, the only thing you know, and I think him with Leonard Fournette as a one-two, I think I think that'll be something. Um, Another guy I think should get a um, should ask for trade. By the way, uh, Terry is gonna request a trade for damn sure. Honestly, for me, man, I think he already did. I, I think he already did, and they just didn't say anything. Um, I believe in about a week and a half, maybe two weeks, you're, you're gonna hear Terry McLaurin's representatives um, say it. You know, they're gonna come out on social media and say it, and be like, "Okay, we're you know we're officially demanding a trade." Um, I think they're going to do that uh, because I think right now they're trying to see are you going to be or is the commander going to do the right thing, which went for the commander to do the right thing. LOL. Good one. That's like trying to have a fish live out of water. Um, so 
that's just me. I I I think he already has, and in about two three weeks or a week and a half two weeks when everybody else is like you know everyone else is pretty much gonna be done and he's not gonna hear anything and he's just gonna be like, okay, done whatever and they're gonna go make it public and then I I, I think it's gonna be an ugly one. I really do. I think it's gonna be an ugly one. That's just me. I I, I think it's gonna be an ugly breakup. Um, speaking of our receivers. DK Metcalf and Yugi says Taysom Hill, Robbie Anderson, and DK. Robbie Anderson is blessed enough to play football, so he should shut his mouth. Uh, Taysom Hill, unless he's gonna, unless he's comfortable being a gadget guy, no one's gonna trade for him. That's that's the caveat with Taysom Hill. If Taysom Hill is not willing to be a gadget guy, no one's gonna go for him. That's just the, that's just the reality of the situation for him right now. But DK, this is a young guy that unfortunately is on a rebuilding team. That is going to take probably another three to five years before they even get ready to hit the ground running. Let that sink in. Um, DK not waiting for that. DK not waiting for that. By the way, Dustin, I miss you too, Brody. I miss you too. Text me. I miss you. But uh, DK is definitely one that needs to get up, get up on out of here. Um, depending on where he would fit uh for me if i'm dk i'm looking at i'm not looking at i'm looking at teams i could make a super bowl contender or at least put us in the right direction um mike goes uh dk into chicago that's one of those things where you could put him there and i think he'll be good because again he not only is he the clear-cut number one but you still have a, a respectable wide receiver core outside of DK. So it's not like you could just triple, you know, this is not like Atlanta Falcon triple T, you know, the Falcons having Kyle Pitts get triple teamed and then have no other answer. They'll be able to have other guys. And then you couple that with the fact that there are rumors supposedly that DK loves Justin Fields and, you know, he 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 kind of likes him a lot and he likes what he brings to the table. I think he has a nice arm and all that stuff. I think he would go there. I think another place he would probably consider, and this might be a, a reach a little bit, but Another guy he's been talking up a little bit has been Lamar Jackson. And him in, in Baltimore, if Lamar could throw a ball consistently past, I don't know, three yards, if he could do that, him and DK would be dangerous. Him and DK will be extremely dangerous. Um, He said, watch him flame Patriots 120 with three touchdowns. Matter of fact, just for that, just for that, just for that, Michael, I hope and pray DK goes up to there. And he makes you guys wish your entire offseason just going for him. And then he turns his back on you. I hope I want him to sign the contract and then opt out of the season. Swear to God. That's it. You, you're triggering me, homie. <coughs> you're triggering me. Um, Lamar ain't gonna do shit with DK. Let's be real. Look, I'm I'm listen, I'm still you know holding back. I'm I'm still gonna give Lamar the benefit of the doubt. As of right now, can he? No, but 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 but. I don't think it's too late for him to kind of try to work on it. There's going to be some growing pains, of course, when you're a guy who's always relying on your athleticism. And then when you need to start relying on a little bit of the technical side, there's going to, there's going to be that awkward transition. So that's one thing. But I do think he's young enough to still learn. I really do. I, I don't I don't, I don't think he's at the age where he kind of is who he is. Uh, Dessa says, here's another thought, DK. DK to Dallas. I mean, Dallas desperately needs a legitimate number one because, again, their number one is C.D. Lamb, who I've seen him get clamped just, you know, by by number three receivers. 
and then Michael Gallup coming off an ACL injury. If that's your one and two, you're kind of screwed. Now, if you get DK in the mix, now we're talking something because now DK, not only is DK the clear-cut number one, but then he's another guy. Because the thing is with Amari, you don't got to double-team Amari. You don't have to. You just got to miss him three balls in a row, and then he checks himself out. With DK, you kind of have to double-team. You now double-team DK, and now you got to now you got to be like, all right, so our third corner is going to be on either Michael Gallup or CeeDee Lamb. So now it kind of gives C.D. Lamb a little more of an opportunity to be explosive. And same thing, it eases off the pressure off of Michael Gallup because Michael Gallup is still going to need to have to get some touches. He's still going to need to get some targets. He's still going to need to do something to bring something to the table. But now it kind of eases off some of that pressure from a guy coming off a torn ACL. For example, over in Tennessee, they done goofed up I get Robert Woods. They done goofed up. They goofed up because they got him and then they traded, uh, they traded A.J. Brown. You don't know what you're going to get with a, a guy fresh off of a torn ACL. You, you, you don't know. You don't know. And not only physically, also mentally. Tearing your ACL, man, when you go to plant your foot to cut, you're going to be nervous. You're going to be nervous. That's just how it is, unfortunately. You're going to be shook a little bit. You know, as time goes on, you'll get a little more comfortable. And you'll be like, all right, bet. I feel good. But until then, it's going to be a thing. Um, DK to Denver. Hmm. Okay. That one I kind of like. A little bit. But I don't know. I th- I think Denver's comfortable where they are. I I I don't think you know, I don't And again, maybe this is just me, but I I I think Yeah, I, I, I think the because I want to say that, but at the same time, DK is better than every receiver on that team. Let's just let's not let's not even pretend that's a debate. So, so that's kind of where it gets a little a little slippery because I, I like I said, I believe. <coughs> excuse me, I I genuinely believe that you know the Broncos are 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 happy with where they are. But again, and and Dustin makes a good point. A reuni- uh, reuniting with Russ now that's at least one guy he's got chemistry with that he doesn't have to rebuild completely. And you couple that with the fact that let's just be honest, they are DK's better than anybody else. Um, in terms of wide receiver on that roster, it could be a situation where they they give it a shot. And I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad. It'll be kind of funny though. I mean, <laughs> another 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 trade to Seattle is kind of funny though. I, I will say that. I, I I will say that. But um, I, I'm gonna sit here and say no, that that won't happen. But I'm gonna give it a tentative no. I'm gonna give it a tentative no. Because, like I said, <clears throat> for every reason I can say no to the trade, I can think of another reason for yes. So this is really one of those things where it's like, I, I think you sit down with Russ and go, hey, Russ, how you feel about us bringing in DK? 
That's just me. I, I, I think that's really how the conversation goes. They sit down with him, and then he goes, okay, you know, I'm good with what we got. Let's charge with that. Or they could say, nope, we're going to move, like, whatever the case may be. Dustin goes, uh, DK's number one, um, DK's number one, Cortland Sutton's number two, Tim Patrick at three, um, uh, KJ Hamler will be your four. Jerry Judy will go to Seattle. It would, Jerry Judy is, is, is going to have to leave. Un, unless, unless, unless you can finesse something and send Cortland Sutton with picks. I think you might be able to finesse something like that. I will say that. You might be able to. Now, I do, I, I, I do think that's a little bit of a reach. My idea of going with Cortland Sutton and picks. I do think that's a reach. I think it's more likely that Jerry Judy goes like, cause I agree with you, Dustin. I, I think, <clears throat> I think coming to the table, Seattle's immediately going to go Jerry Judy immediately. I don't, I don't, I don't think that they're going to, they're, they're going to try to, you know, say anything, but I do think if, if you do Cortland Sutton and package it with some picks, I think you might be able to finesse it. If I'm Seattle, I'm trying to finesse them. I'm trying. Um, Judy would go to Seattle and Drew Lock would have Jerry Judy and Noah Fan, which, yeah, again, and, and again, this goes back to the same thing that I was talking about with um with Russ. When you have guys, you know, that you don't have to rebuild, think about it, you don't got to rebuild chemistry, it kind of makes the job a little easier. And now Drew Locke, you don't have to you got either Jerry Judy or Corlin Sun, regardless of who they send to you. There's there's guys you've already thrown the ball to, so you have some um some Repertoire with same thing with no fan, same thing with no fan. Uh, Yuki says, regardless, uh, Broncos gonna go to the Super Bowl, regardless. I don't know about that one, Chief. I really don't know. I don't know about that one, Chief. I don't know. Final topic game five is tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Sirius is tied 2 2, which I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. You know, it's, it's been a very, very entertaining series. It's been a hell of a series. A series that I personally have enjoyed watching. We all know I'm a diehard Celtics fan. Um, by the way, before we head on, that says Chicago Bears appear to be the front runners for Nandama Kinsu. Yes, um, based on what I've been reading, not a lot of people have been really interested in him. Um supposedly. There's been some stuff coming out about him with his time with the 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 box that has put you know some people you know kind of you know make him a little nervous and he said it because uh, Sue is dirty as hell. I guess there's been but I guess there's been stuff and practices he's been doing that I guess teams have caught wind of. So, um, by the way, I'm not saying that the, that the Broncos are not a Super Bowl team. I just don't think that there's a lock you can put in there, especially in that division. I, I've, I've said this. I think every single person in that division not only is over 500, but I believe everyone, whoever doesn't win the division, the the three, the, the wild card I think every wild card spot gets taken for the AFC West. I really do. I really do. 
So it, it, it's not it's not that I think that the Broncos are bums or I think they're trash. Nothing like that. It's just it's it, it's going to be tough. It's it's going to be extremely tough. And honestly, as of right now, I'm not picking who I who I got in the Super Bowl. I'm not picking because that's how I did that. Oof! It was I took the biggest L. So I'm going to wait a little longer. But um, game uh, game five is tonight. And I'm going to give some keys to victory for both Golden State and Celtics. Let's start with Golden State. Um, first and foremost, the, the most, and I think this is the most important one, Clay or Jordan Poole stop selling. The Golden State Warriors lose the, the two losses they have. They've lost. If Steph Curry, think about this, and I'm going to say this nice and slow so that way people don't get it twisted. If Steph Curry does not have 30 points, Going into the fourth quarter, the Golden State Warriors lose. I, I'm, t- I'm not. I'm, I'm talking about how it's been the last, the last four games, the four games in these finals. If Steph Curry has not given you thirty points before the fourth quarter, I'm gonna say that one more time because I don't want people thinking I'm misspeaking or anything like that. If Steph Curry does not have at least thirty points. Heading into the fourth quarter, the Golden State Warriors lose. Steph Curry is, in essence, killing himself, being drained, exhausted. And um, Yuki says they won't get bored. Yeah, Steph had like 30, yeah, 30-something heading into the fourth. He already had 30 going into the fourth. So, like, if if Steph, Steph is literally carrying, he's offensively, He's doing everything he possibly could. If the Golden State Warriors lose this, and I, I'm, I'm being so serious, if the Golden State Warriors lose this, I because I, I believe they will, I don't want to hear a single person, and everyone knows here I'm not the biggest fan of Steph Curry. We already know the hatred I have for him. I do not want to hear a single soul at all. I don't want to hear a single soul blaming Steph Curry for this. I don't want to hear a single soul coming up to me and saying, yep, Steph Curry sold. I don't want to hear a I don't want to hear a single person say that. Because this kid, this this dude is literally, literally doing everything he possibly can. <clears throat> He's doing everything he possibly can. And Clay is still kind of just there. Um you can say I'm surprised Steph is still playing because he got hurt bad in game three. He ain't get hurt bad. He ain't get hurt bad. Come on. Let's 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 be honest. I've never heard, I've never seen a guy get hurt so bad that after the injury happens, he sprints down the court full speed and then and then goes for a three effortlessly. I don't want to hear it. But he ended up, but game four at Steph ended with 43. Right? He had to get at least 30 heading into the fourth. Um the, the next highest scorer um for the Warriors. This is the next highest scorer. Clay Thompson. With 18. Literally, it was... And by the way, Clay played the same amount of time as Steph. They both played 41 minutes. And 41 minutes, this is what Clay Thompson gave people. 18 points, 2 rebounds, 1 assist. That's what he brought to the table. For comparison, Steph 
43, 4 assists, 10 rebounds. Had a double-double. Draymond Green, 2 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. At least, you know, <coughs> at least he 40 kind of brought a little something extra. Now, here's the only thing that people, you know, that Draymond Green also needs to bring. Defense, because he's also straight getting cooked. Someone else needs to help with the scoring load because I will say this, if we need to rely on Steph Curry to literally carry you through this finals, you're not going to win. You're just you're, you're just not because he's going to get tired eventually. He's going to get drained. There was a, a statistic that I saw. By the way, Jordan Poole had uh, 14 points. He went 14-1-1. These were the top four scorers. By the way, all top four scorers were in double digits. It was Steph with 43, Clay with 18, Andrew Wiggins with 17, Jordan Poole with 14. Those are the four top four. Everybody else was in single digits. So if no one else is going to come to his aid and give him the opportunity, there's nothing he could. Steph is doing everything he possibly could. He's doing everything he possibly could. Everything he possibly could. Another thing they also need to do, and this is something that, in my opinion, I, I think I would heavily if I'm talking to Golden State, and this is mostly from the coaching staff, this is just me. I would heavily consider benching Draymond. I would heavily con- – I, I would I would be very I – would, I would consider it. Um, I, I, I think in terms of coaching and, – and, and this, this is not going to – on Steve Kerr. You need to make sure you do something. You need to make sure you do something. You need because Ime is out coaching you and stretching. Let's be honest here. Steve Kerr has been out coached every single game. Even game two, which I believe game, yeah, game two was the blowout that Golden State won. He was still getting out coached. And the only reason that the Boston Celtics lost was because, yet again, Steph being Steph. Steph just came and, and took over. Outside of that, which again, you're relying on your player to carry you. Steve Kerr's been outcoached every single step of the way. Every single step of the way. So Steve Kerr has to do something. He's going to have to do something different. He's going to have to do something unique. He's going to have to figure something out. In terms of the Boston Celtics, two things that I need, that I need them to, to, to focus on. And by the way, I'm notice I'm not saying turnovers for either team um, because I, I feel like Turnovers is a little too vague. Um, uh, both of these teams are high turnover, um, high turnover teams. That's just them because they play a very fast-paced game. When you play a very fast-paced game, that generally does lead to turnovers. Um, that's just kind of how it goes. So uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna really say anything really about the turnovers, especially as long as the turnover battles close. For instance, game four. Ghost State has 16 turnovers. Boston at 15. Again, it's a very close thing, so it's not like that's really making or breaking anything, right? So as long as they keep it going, I'm assuming they do that and they go forward. So um, number one for the Boston Celtics, utilize the mid-range for God's sakes. Please, I'm begging you. I understand that, yes, we, we, we do like the three-point three point game. And by the way, Jason Tatum, this, this, this is for you. If you're contested at the three-point line, please stop shooting threes. That's the only thing I ask. If if you're contested from the three-point line, don't shoot threes. That's it. That's all I ask. 
There's been a lot of times him, uh, Jalen Brown a couple times, but Jalen Brown doesn't do it as often, so I'm not going to come hard on Jalen Brown. Pause. Um, Marcus Smart <coughs> does it a lot, which gets me tight. Uh, uh, Peyton Pritchard has done it occasionally. Um, he's been getting a couple minutes here and there, but I, I, I've even seen him do it. You need to stop doing that and focus on mid-rangers because I do believe if you end up using the mid-range game, that opens it up a little more where they now kind of drop down to give you a little extra space, which will open up the three even bigger. That's why in terms of offense, that's why a guy like Chris Paul loves the mid-range. Why? Because he knows if I if I hit a couple mid-rangers in a row, what's going to happen? Oh, yeah, they're going to start like, oh, yeah, he wants that mid-range. Now I get the three open. So that's one thing I, I definitely would um, – would would uh would mention and number two let's say they go on a little you know especially in the fourth quarters let's say that they're kind of a little slow offensively do not let that impact your defense the reason why we lost game four is because in a seven and a half minute stretch we only scored six points now usually that's a problem but with our defense i'm all right with it because with our defense, you know, we could at least hold them down to something in the same. Problem was, we weren't doing it. We let Golden State erupt. I mean, more specifically, Steph Curry. So my thing is, do not let our – your like, we need to make sure our offense does not dictate our defense. Even if we're having a rough, a rough game offensively, we just need to grit our teeth and focus defensively. Because if we focus defensively, again, this goes back to the turnover thing I was saying earlier. Golden State is a very fast-paced team who will always give up turnovers. That's just them. They're always going to give up turnovers no matter what. That's just Golden State, right? Again, any fast-paced team, it doesn't matter what, what – again, no matter what team you are, if you're a fast-paced team, turnovers are just are just a thing that comes with, with being a fast-paced team. So stick to, with the defense – and Golden State will give us an opportunity to not only get turnovers, but to also make sure that we can capitalize on those turnovers. On fast breaks, do not try to do not try to go and just shoot threes just for hee hee ha ha's. Penetrate. Don't don't shoot a three on a fast break. Penetrate. Especially if we got numbers. That's one thing I like about Jason Tatum. We got numbers, and he'll go and he'll penetrate. Give the ball up. Get someone to wet up and lay up. Good. But regardless of what's happening offensively, we need to make sure that defensively we do not let up that pressure. Because, again, if as long as we keep our defense against a team like Golden State, who, again, I will say this again, is a very go, 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 running gun team, the turnover is going to come naturally. Those turnovers come naturally, give us fa easy, fast break points. And those fast break points will then give us momentum where we get two steals in a row and all of a sudden – we got something else. So, I still got Boston winning game three to take a 3-2 lead. Let's hope that I am right. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Takes Podcast. I appreciate you guys for uh, sticking with me. Follow us on Twitter, at Prideful Takes. Any news you guys want me to talk about, feel free to tag me in it. Catch us on Facebook, at Prideful Takes, and also on YouTube, at Prideful Takes. Visit our website, www.pridefultakes.com. Not only is every episode of the podcast up there, but we also have original articles. And also check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts at the Prideful Takes Podcast. If you have an iPhone, just say, hey, Siri, play the Prideful Takes Podcast, and she will take care of the rest. As always, 
Go to www.fatco.com. Use discount code PridefulTakes. Get 15% off all your organic skin care needs. Ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you guys spending some time with me. It is your boy, Pride. I'll be back here on Wednesday to bullshit with you guys regarding more sports. Until then, y'all know what to do. Be safe. Where that was going. That was a great read. Lillard from the logo. That'll quiet the two on the season. Second and one for the Bills. They handle the rush. Allen looking. It's out. Two to Shohei Otani. Center field. Let's watch it go. Did several of those inside low kicks.